At the bottom of the deepest oceanic trench, you'll find an animal that's worth writing home about. The sea pen is a feathery friend with multiple personalities and a penchant for puffing itself up when the coast is clear. But when slow-moving danger is around every corner, you have to be ready to retreat. You're in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal info. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. And thank you to Brian for the creation of this week's episode artwork. To check that out, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy or visit us at LDTaxonomy.com. And today we're talking about the plume in the room, but more on that later room plume you ever have that one of those moments where something is in your muscle memory or just your un- unconscious memory and as soon as something like messes with it you're forced to remember it consciously and it's gone like you don't have it in there you're gonna have to get provide me with an example well in this particular case it was i forgot how i start the show because i always <laughs> start the show in the same way and it's just like i don't even think about it and then I messed it up because I maxed out the audio. So then I th- had to think about it. And then I'm like, wait, what do I say? Do I say the 30 minutes thing? Yeah, you don't act. It's uh, you're, you, you, you get the yips. Yeah, that's what it is. It's the yips. That's what athletes call it. When you start thinking about something that you do naturally and then you become bad at it. Yep. I'm glad that doesn't happen with like breathing and blinking and stuff. Yeah, that's autonomic nervous system. That's different. Because I'm like really good at it, and it would it wouldn't be very good if I, whenever I thought about it, I became bad at it. You're probably not really good at it. I mean, You're I've probably been doing like been, as good as an average at it. I've been doing it for a while, but that makes you average. Because everyone yeah, does it. That doesn't mean I'm not. That everyone's good at it. Then that doesn't mean es- I'm not good. Escape artists, singers. I didn't say it was above average. I just Brass said I'm good at it. Brass players are probably really good at it. No, those they're they're above average. We're all Exception. good at it. Gotcha. If you can do something in your sleep, you're good at it. <laughs> Ten thousand hours. We're experts. Exactly. We're masters. But what are we talking about? We're actually yeah. We're not talking about lungs. <laughs> we're talking about seeping. Excuse me? This is a children's program. Just seeping out of the seams. We're talking about the sea pen. Oh, okay, okay. Now I see. Now I see. Yeah, the sea pen. What will uh but we're also going to call it here. This is this one's from Brian uh, cuz like I said he's, he when he sends over the artwork he often puts in a fun little nickname that I can steal. Um and he just called it Sean Pen. Okay. Cuz all you just have to do is one see- N. You just, actually, no, two ends. You right? need to add an end to both names. <laughs> and then I looked up Sean Penn uh, movies and realized that I have never in my life seen one with with him in it. You've never seen like Rain Man? Oh, is he in that movie? He's Rain Man. No, that's uh, Dustin Hoffman. Is Sean Penn not Dustin Hoffman? <laughs> no, no, they they're 
they're uh, they're not this they're not scroll um, morphing aliens. They're two different people. Wait, scroll morphing aliens. Yeah, you know, in the Captain Marvel, the the scroll are the aliens that can just turn into anybody. Yeah, but who do you think either Sean Penn or Dustin Hoffman? They're one scroll alien named Gorgax, and they can. Uh, and sometimes he takes the form of Dustin Hoffman when he wants to win an Oscar, and he t- sometimes he takes the form of Sean Penn when he. Oh, doesn't. I see. I thought you were saying that Sean, one of those two actors were pl- in that movie. No. Well, yes, one of those two actors is in Rain Man. <laughs> anyway, I've never seen a movie with Sean Penn in it, but uh, after doing a little bit of re- research on him for some reason, um, I found out that he was in a movie called The the Falcon and the Snowman. So I think that uh, they have grounds to sue uh, Marvel on the, their new TV show. We're just going to call uh, The Winter Soldier The Snowman going forward. I think it'll take a lot of the like seriousness out of the out of the sales of those movies. It's Iron Man versus uh, Captain America and the Snowman. <laughs> Anywho, oh my gosh! So these two men, as you would say, are in the same genre of person. I would say, but in terms of looks, and 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 apparently Sean Penn played a similar role. In I Am Sam, in the movie 2001, as 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 Rain Man. So that my brain just broke again in the same episode. <laughs> I can I can get behind the fact that they are the they're the same genre of person. They're both rocking that like 90s 2000s ha- haircut. They have strong hook noses and yeah. uh, terse mouths and strong. Well, Sean Penn's kind of got a stronger jawline. Anyway, because he's younger. So, yes, we're gonna, <laughs> Brian called this the C Pen, this Sean Penn. We're going to call it here Marion the Nidarian Librarian. Nice. Because it's a pen. And that's a reference to Music Man. Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, we're also going to call it Scribble Snacks. If, uh, Isn't that it, a cat from uh, Cats? Really? <laughs> no, it's Skimble Shanks. <laughs> <laughs> I've never uh, never seen it and I probably won't because um, I've been told all I need to know about it um, but yeah although if I had a cat I guess I'd call it Scribble Snacks doesn't matter what you name a cat it's just jellical <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you like to hear what uh, science has to say about this thing yeah yeah sure it's in the kingdom you know love and live within the an- kingdom animalia to the phylum Nidaria it's a Nidarian. Mm-hmm. It's in the class Anthozoa. <laughs> it's, I just imagine that this 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 sea pen uses its pen powers to send you uh, an email as a Nidarian prince to get money. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, it's in the order Penatilaceae. Do you think that just might be C at the end? Pen. Penatula C. Penatulacia. Penatulacia, yeah. It's probably two. You can probably pronounce both those vowels. And it's, then the uh, family is Penatulidae. Penatulidae. Mm-hmm. And then the genus is Penatula. And then the species 
is phosphorophore. Uh, so you, with all these pen words, yeah, all the way back to the order, everything in the order is called C pens. I'm pretty Even sure it's phosphoria, isn't it? Phosphoria. Pen, penatula phosphoria. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yep, Penetula Phosphoria, which brings us to my favorite part of the show, since we're in the business of naming things, uh, nitty-gritty nomenclature. <laughs> Turns out there's oh. no there's no uh, collective noun for these animals. Um, they're actually relatively understudied, so they're learning to... So there's somebody become, has... They're learning the, to become better actors. Right. <laughs> um, Just in case the main guy goes away. Yes, goes away. Um, like an actual pen. They want to fill in for a real pen. Or Sean Penn. These are these are all just understudies of Sean Penn. Um, so if he's ever not available on set, they just use one of these uh, <laughs> to, to film the B-roll. Um, but yes, we're doing nitty-gritty nomenclature. And we've got the binomial nomenclature, Penitula Phosphorea. So, Joe, what does that mean? Does it mean A, shining feathered wings, B, ancient water stock, C, glowing pseudo coral, or D, tentacle lights, which is my favorite Owl City song? (laughs) (laughs) Run those by me again. Pseudo, isn't that Latin? It would be in there. Unless this is Greek. Phosphoria could be Greek. I'm going to go with the last one. Tentacle lights? Yeah. Is that your final answer? Yes. Incorrect. Was it the, Was it C? No. No. Oh, you want to guess again? <laughs> no. That's good. As long as it's not between the two things I'm oscillating between. Okay. Yes. The answer was uh, shining feathered wings. Phosphorescent. Phosphorescence, I yeah, guess, is shininess, right? Shining, oh. glowing light. It's it, it's heatless light, basically. Um, and uh, the uh, the penate for the penatula is, uh, is is feathered wings. That's why it is present in the entire order. Okay, let's describe this thing. Sure. Uh, the C pen is so named because it sort of looks like a feather pen, even though. C pen is a name used all the way up to the the order, and there's a ton of species that don't look anything like a feather pen. Well, there but, are 200 species total, but I picked one that definitely looks like a feather pen. But yeah. really, the major fact is uh, is about C pens in general. So the feathers are actually tentacle-like appendages. Uh, a smooth bulb anchors the C pen uh, in the sediment and a stalk rises and curls like a fancy quill. The, pe- the the bulb is also called a peduncle, which is a fun word. Is it fun? I peduncle. Like it. Yeah, it could also, you know, be not fun. It's it sounds not fun to me. Dunkle is funny. Is it? <laughs> yeah. It's just like your um your uncle Dave. He's your dunkle. Either that or your uh, uncle is a, is a NBA center. Yes. And he dunks. Branches from the quill have tentacles that give the organism a feathery appearance. So that's why it looks like a, a feather plume. Um, 
And they come in a variety of colors from cream to pink. But they're the mo, I've seen mostly That's not a, that's not that big of a range. <laughs> yeah, most of what I, I I skipped over a word I wrote, light colors. They're usually uh, sh- shades of light colors. It's a wide range of colors from uh orange to red. <laughs> pink is different definitely different than cream. It's different. It's but it's just like you move a slider up and then suddenly you're at pink. Yeah, it doesn't come in if you have cream wow. and you and you up the red slider, you have you have uh, pink. But that brings us to the beloved measure up segment. Uh, and since you've taken to correcting my color range, you will be destroyed in this <laughs> measure up. <laughs> oh, were you not planning on destroying me? Was there a was there a a, a nicer, gentler uh, measure up in the no. in the chamber? No, God had ordained such things to pass and it was always going to be this way Uh, the official listeners favorite part of the show the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family it's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying singing or chittering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com we do have a new measure up intro Mm -hmm. this week uh from our friend calvin so we continue the the just the the embarrassment of riches that, that is the next few weeks in terms of having measure ups, but don't let that fool you. It can run out quickly. So send in your measure ups, the measure up bounty that we we've, uh, our cup accrued with. Yes. Do you accrue, you accrue good things? Yeah. There's a, no, there's a word, there's a word for like when earning money. And then there's a word for like, accumulating money that you owe and there one's a crew and one is something else i don't know you can you accrue lots of stuff like interest and pto and chick-fil-a sauce (laughs) (laughs) without further ado the listener's favorite part of the show measure up all done oh i didn't see i didn't hear the last one i'm done you said all done or I'm done. I, I'm done, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did good, Calvin. Thanks, Calvin. That was great. That was very good. Just succinct, and he got in there. He got it done. He got out. You know? That's all we yeah. need. Just said measure up. I'm done. And then hit send, and we're good. We're yeah. Golden. Uh, so let's talk about the... the So these things can come in a wide variety of lengths and sizes, so is it a wider variety than the colors much well (laughs) is it from 3.1 feet to 3.3 feet it's hard to quantify the variety of colors because it's a continuum but let's talk about the length at sexual maturity sure sure i always i'm always down to talk about that which is like by most metrics when you become go from adolescence to being adult in the animal kingdom so this is a full-grown Sean Penn. Uh, a Sean Penn, fifty-five to ninety millimeters. Ninety millimeters is around three inches. So how many C pens go into the length of the longest feather ever recorded? Oh wow, that's probably like a condor or an ostrich's feather. Well, actually, yeah. Do you know? Do you want to make a guess of as to what it is? Um, I'm gonna go with one of those two things. Condor or ostrich? I can tell you already that a peacock is 
got longer further than those. Oh, yeah, like yeah, six, yeah. They can be like six feet, but it's not a peacock. I thought I had a new one that had like a super long tail, but I, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, so according to, here's your hint, according to Guinness, the longest feather ever recorded was documented in 1972 in Kochi, Shigoku, Japan. Uh, the feather belonged to a phoenix fowl, which sounds awesome, but it is also called a Yokohama chicken. That sounds less awesome. It's a rooster. It's a big Bo- rooster. Both of them sound like Japanese uh, folklore demons. It's actually a uh, domesticated wild, like forest fowl, which is, I guess what chickens are technically. But yeah, it's a big old. It's a it's a reg, it's a chicken with a really 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 long tail. All right, I'm going to say 30. 30 sepins? Final answer? Yeah. The correct answer is 117.6. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the feather was 10.6 meters or 34 feet and 9 inches. 34 feet? Yeah. The, you can look up a picture of uh, a phoenix fowl, and you can see him standing on like what looks a, like, like a 5-foot like pedestal and his tail touching the ground and the ta- the longest one was in 1972 I I couldn't find a picture of it I am looking at this it looks like a regular chicken right yeah and it's just got like Rapunzel level proportions in terms growth. of tail yeah <laughs> oh my goodness I would have never come to this conclusion <laughs> that's-, that's like that's how you make novelty pens in the like 1700s. Looks kind of nasty. Looks like it smells bad, but it's a chicken, so it almost by default smells bad. Well, every animal on a farm smells bad. Does it? Because farms smell bad. They're soaking in that, all that farm air. Chickens, <laughs> chickens smell particularly bad, though. If you've ever been in one of those like massive chicken coops, like the one Napoleon Dynamite works in for all of a day. I think if you grouped any animal that poops in <laughs> such large <laughs> quantities in a small area it's gonna smell bad sure sure i guess uh so let's talk about living depth and here's where you will be smote uh so six they live like six thousand one hundred meters or 3.7 miles at the deepest but they can live in a in a wide variety of depths, from well, from cream to, to pink. Variety. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, how, how many C pen living depths would go into the length of RNA needed to vaccinate the entire world? So, RNA, like if all of the strands of RNA were li- linked end to end. All I all I can think of right now is professor from futurama talking about dna and robo or rna i thought about robots i thought you were uh gonna say you were just thinking about him and saying i don't want to live on this planet anymore (laughs) uh so here's a hint uh this came from the subreddit r slash they did the math which i found because we're mentioned in the comments for our measurement based assault on mathematics uh (laughs) is this a calculated uh Assault? Is this a calculated strike on, on math itself? Is it, it is. Is that what we're doing here? Yeah, I, feel I mean, like I'm, math, down, I'm down with it. 
I feel like we're actually playing right into math's hands by engaging in math. There's, I don't think you can smite math by doing math. By doing... Is the only way to beat it to... Divide by zero? To a, a, a avoid it entirely? Because so or, far, yeah. I've, outside of this podcast, I do a pretty good job of it. So thanks to thanks to listener Jessica for emailing and to let us know that we're mentioned on at nice. least one corner of Reddit. I'm glad Reddit knows that we're here. <laughs> and that we're... Uh, our mortal enemy is math and... Um, we won't sleep until nobody does it anymore. <laughs> and we'll accomplish that goal by doing math. Yes, yes, yes. That's the plan. I don't know because I this is not a concept that is in my brain. Like the amount of RNA needed to do anything is not a concept that's in my brain. <laughs> so this is just a unit of length. 3.7 miles, you said? Mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like someone mentioned this to me actually recently. And I think I remember being like, oh, that's not as much as I thought it would be. You think it'd be one of those things where it's like it could wrap around the world 17 times. Well, are you sure you're not thinking of like the amount of DNA in a human body? Uh, No, it it specifically had to do with the vaccine. Um, I don't know. To vaccinate every single person in the world. So what, like something like 7 billion people? 6.3 6.3 billion people. Um, you don't need a lot to vaccinate. But it's at least 6.3 billion something. Maybe it takes a millimeter to vaccinate. So we're dealing with 6.3 billion millimeters. How many meters did you say? 6,000? 6,100 meters. The answer is 10,327.8. Eight six eight eight five two four five nine zero two. But I'm just ballparking here. Final answer. Debate. Yeah, uh, ten thousand three hundred. We'll say that. Depths. Mm, yes. Yes. Well, like Thorn Oakenshield, you have never been so wrong in all your life. <laughs> You've never been so ashamed. I've. Uh, have I never been? Okay, go ahead. Lay it on us. You I, might have I been more. I wrong. can't possibly have been more wrong than with the the teaspoon of a neutron star one. Maybe, maybe you were more wrong then. But the correct answer is forty nine trillion seven hundred and nine thousand uh, million billion uh, six hundred and ninety five million four hundred thousand depths. That's potentially that this is the most wrong I've been. Um, it would take. Uh, 296 trillion kilometers or 31 light years of RNA. How much for one person? I don't know. Less than that. I said one millimeter. (laughs) Clearly. Whatever that number divided by the amount of people there are is. But yeah, you could get to the closest star in our galaxy riding on this RNA strand. The closest... You could zip line on this RNA strand to Alpha Centauri. To That's... Dang. Wow, that was fun. So whoever told you that it was less impressive was it wrong. Mu- it must have been something else that uh, went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> okay. So, oh my goodness. Well, that was... Um, that's what you get for making fun of my 
color spectrum analysis. Look, you picked cream. It's not, it's not even white. That's white leaning in the direction of pink. It's a continuum. There could be millions <laughs> of colors between cream and pink. That's true. There's, but there's probably is, millions of colors between white and cream. Just, just yeah. There's eggshell. I can't think of any others, but I'm sure there's more than just that. <laughs> Would you like to know some fast facts and leave this measure up behind you? Yeah. Let's just uh, let's just move on. <laughs> All right. Do, do something else for a little bit. So uh, those sea pens look like plants, like we mentioned. They lived. They oh they live down where there are no plants. You know, they can they can survive down there because they're animals and they don't need sunlight. Um, so they can live in shallow reef areas as well, but also deep intertidal abysses, three miles deep. So, like all kinds of region, re, they live in all kinds of regions, but prefer tropical and temperate water. Uh, and the entire order of Penatulaceae, Penatulaceae, yeah, are called sea pens, but only members of the Subcellaflorae. Yeah, what? what Subcellaflorae. That makes sense. Yeah, only sub- they really look like feather pens. Yeah, I think you skipped over the suborder in the taxonomy. So yeah, that's that, that's the suborder, Subcellaflorae. Uh. But others can be found in fanciful shapes from feather dusters to peacock plumes. Is that a wide enough range for you? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's acceptable. All, all very feathery looking because of these tentacles. Um, but the fully unfurled plume is actually full of water. And it can be deflated like a broken arm flailing inflatable tube man. When there's danger around, the pen will expel water to shrink down into the sand. Like a sad little, like, empty balloon. Yeah. That, um, it can sometimes happen quickly, but sometimes it takes up to four hours. Yeah. So, like, oh, I got bumped by a sea slug. Better start the defense mechanism process. I mean, if your predator is a sea slug... You might have a little bit more time than usual. I saw a time lapse of a sea slug bumping into one. And then just minutes <laughs> later, it was deflated. Bumping into one and then leaving forever. Yeah, I don't know why. The I was like, oh, a predator has shown up. And it touched it. And then it left. Okay, great, great predator well, work. Neither does science, really. But one one it could be that there are a, just a gaggle of sea slugs around, and one bumps into you, so you're like, oh, let's let's keep a low profile for the next four hours, you know, because yeah. there's there's Th- bad guys in the area. This one took one bite, and I don't want any more bites. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna leave. Uh, so this the members of this particular genus have several bioluminescent species. Which makes it even more phosphorescent. Um, but some species of the of sea pens can actually use barbed nematocytes or nematocysts to stick and sting and harpoon their prey. Yeah, like a like a jellyfish, other the the other famous cnidarian. So yeah, every everything you'd want in a weird little 
looks like a plant animal in the ocean can be true of this guy. Glows in the dark. Stings with horrible harpoons. Good stuff. Deflates. Yeah. <laughs> it, it glows when it's touched, too. So apparently that's supposed to stun and bewilder slugs and starfish that would eat otherwise eat it. The, Just the, o- overwhelm those eye spots. We've we went when we went on a ca- uh, bioluminescent kayaking tour. The 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 tour guide was like talking about why they do this and how they do it, and it these are not this is not the things that were glowing where we were were not this, but no, there were true. things that glow in the water. And he was just like, we don't actually know why they do this, but all I can think of is if you're sitting down to eat a cheeseburger and it starts glowing, you're not going to eat it. I'm like, can't argue with that logic. <laughs> is is that what, uh, I mean, it's like, it's plankton or zooplankton, right? Those dinoflagites. So I feel like anything that would eat them is probably fine with it glowing there's just so many of them that it's it might just freak like a they the another theory is that they glow to attract other predators to their predators which is a bold strategy the enemy of my enemy is my friend yeah yeah i mean if if on if if you're able to do that bioluminescent tour on a really good night when it's uh when the uh, bioluminescence is particularly uh, James Cameron-esque. Uh, you can actually see the shapes of animal or fish and manatees and porpoises moving through them. So I imagine if it's like, hey, look, there's definitely a fish under there in the middle of the night. Um, and then, a, you know, if the fish is eating the dinoflagellates, then a shark can eat the fish and the plankton's left alone. But the uh, the sea pen, I'm because the sea pen lives at the bottom of the bottom of the ocean, and it's pitch black. And I imagine that like a sea slug that's just kind of feeling its way around in the middle of the night because it has to go to the bathroom, and then suddenly it turns on the bathroom light. It's just like, uh, uh, I get, I'm out, I'm, I'm gone, I'm sorry. <laughs> it just hurts. So yeah, I can see that being definitely something that would stun and disorient something that lives its entire life at the bottom of the ocean. Very true. Uh, but that's all I got for fast facts. I've got two extra fast facts. One is that the tallest sea pens can get up to be about uh, six and a half feet long. And also that they are theorized to potentially be able to live for more than a century. Ooh. And the reason for that is coming up with the major fact, which I didn't name. Hmm. I don't have a name for it. <laughs> uh... We are Legion. We are Legion. There we go. Legionnaires? <laughs> centurions? It's uh Sea Centurions. Sea Centurion. No, I like We Are Legion. That's a good one. Major fact is we are Legion. This uh the sea pens at the bottom of the ocean are possessed by a multitude of demons. <laughs> <laughs> That's a major fact. Did you know that? They are actually the remnants of the pigs that were that the de- that legion was driven into, and they just they went to the bottom of the, I guess what was probably the Sea of Galilee, and then somehow found their way out of a landlocked sea into the bottom of the ocean, and now there's sea pens. Good. 
So for you out there in podcasts, yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I was initially going to talk about the fact that the sea pen is one of the only, actually the only non-extinct animal with glide reflection symmetry. But as I looked into that, it turns out it involves Euclidean geometry. So I didn't want to try and explain it. But basically, it means that the pen is symmetrical, but slightly askew. So it's not symmetrical at all. But it could be if it wasn't askew. I'm not <laughs> sure why that's interesting, but it is. Um, basically... If, you know, like if, if you have uh, like footprints, if they were all perfectly sp spaced out would be an example of glide reflection symmetry. Like it's it's identical on both on both sides, but one is one is uh, it's staggered. There we go. Staggered symmetry. But yeah, OK, that and that would also doesn't make a, a, a great major fact. But so instead of talking about Euclidean geometry, let's talk about polyps. My favorite word <laughs> up there with peduncle. <laughs> um, so you may have noticed. Actually, you didn't notice um, because you didn't mention it. The subclass is Octocorallia, which is uh, the subclass of octocorals. So the sea pen has more in common with coral than uh, most other things. So rather than being one single organism, it's one animal, I guess, if you want to call it that. But it's actually made up of several different organisms. So uh, which is why it's we named it We Are Legion. Um, so each polyp is basically a tiny jellyfish octopus. It's a cnidarian with eight tentacles that all come together. Even though I know oct octopus, octopuses, they have arms, not mm -hmm. tentacles. I get it. Um, but there's eight of them. So that's why it's there. Uh, and so they all come together to form this single animal. And the, so what will happen is the first polyp, well, we can go through the whole life cycle. Uh, when they reach sexual maturity, sea pens will release sperm and egg into the water, which will combine and form a uh, a small, free-swimming little uh, creature that can't eat, but within sometimes a few hours or sometimes a week, uh, it will develop into a polyp, and which is this eight-tentacled little jellyfish thing and so a one polyp will uh, lose its tentacles and kind of morph into the tree trunk the center part of the pen uh, and it'll it'll develop this large root at the bottom which is the peduncle and it'll anchor itself to the uh, the substrate or the which is just a fancy word of saying the the sea floor um, whether it's mud or sand or sometimes rock most mostly mud or sand for reasons I'll get into in a bit um, and specifically eat other so it'll start to bud after that like coral tends to do um, but the other polyps that bud from it will rather than also becoming the trunk will 
become other parts of the C pen that you see at the end. So they'll each specialize in a different function, like kind of like pluripotent cells. Like, you know, you have a cell that could be anything and it, you know, it turns into a bone cell or a blood cell or a neuron or something like that. Um, but instead it's on a much bigger scale with these polyps. So some polyps develop into gills and do respiratory things. Some polyps develop into stomachs, kind of like a rudimentary stomach. Um, some develop into the, uh, the, the tentacle, the fan tentacles some, to catch food. Some, uh, and others become the reproductive organs. So, um, each one that the, uh, the gills know what the rudimentary stomachs are doing. They're each, each is a part of the body. Um, it's kind of like a more advanced version of like three kids wearing a big trench coat to get into a PG-13 <laughs> movie. Um, except they're not all doing the same thing. So, yeah, that's, so that's basically what makes up one of these guys. And once it once it finishes and becomes the full C-pen and reaches sexual maturity, it'll start the process all over again. Um, and they'll, despite not they're not being a collective noun, they do often end up together just by nature of their um, of their reproductive method, which is just like seeding uh, the seeding the yeah. water around them. Um, but yeah, they end up forming this this full colony, um, and yeah, like you said. If they are threatened, they can deflate and suck themselves all the way into the hole that they live in. Um, and it takes a long time, so I'm not—I don't—I'm not sure why that's effective, <laughs> but it is. And uh, like I said, these are these are not very well studied animals because they live at the absolute bottom of the ocean, uh, and you need. I mean, humans can't go to a lot of the habitats where they live, but some live in, in higher elevations or not at higher depths, I think is the word. I'm, higher depths, which allow, um, which where, where humans can go to with special equipment. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got. It's a, it's a giant quill a potentially six foot long quill pen anchored to the bottom of the 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 ocean floor that is actually made up of several little jellyfish things stuck together how would you like to be like all right we're gonna be we're all gonna get together we're gonna make a sea pen uh jerry you you're the peduncle you're gonna be you're like, gonna no, have no tentacles. I'm always the peduncle. And you're gonna anchor to the yeah, you're gonna have to hold on to the sand. You're gonna have to hold on to sand. Ugh. <laughs> and they're like, Jerry, stop complaining. It's an honor. But Jerry, really, he he is always the peduncle. And I don't I really I don't support Nidarian bullying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was the Sean Penn. If for you out there in Podcastia, anchor yourself in the sand. Work on your Euclidean reflection geometry. And remember that the pen is mightier than the swordfish here in life, death, and taxonomy.
Hey, Taxonomy Titans, thanks for listening to the episode. Just a few quick things. As always, reviews and social media engagement are greatly appreciated, but recommending the podcast to friends is the best way to help us grow. If you'd like some LDT-flavored merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash taxonomy teas. That's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Life, Death, and Taxonomy is my favorite in the world podcast. <laughs> the pet is mightier than the swordfish indeed. Not really. I feel like a swordfish could definitely take on a sea pen but if a swordfish ever went to where a sea pen lives then the sea pen would win <laughs>